0: Down in Ann Arbor, they like to say Spartans can't read and can't write. Well, welcome back to another episode of Can't Read, Can't Write, your Michigan State podcast that validates we can talk. I'm your host, Mike Jones, joined as always by my co-host, Kevin Greck, And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Spartan underscore pod. Today, we've got a jam-packed episode. We're going to take a peek behind the green wall, discussing press and online coverage of the Wisconsin loss and the state of the MSU football program. We'll also discuss a little MSU hoops, Looking forward to the season ahead, and we'll take some great Twitter questions. As always, you'll hear our very serious ad copy, but this week we
1: also happen to have a real ad. Uh, before we move to our presenting sponsor, Kevin, how was your week? Jonesy, it was uh, fine. Uh, I got to enjoy some SMSU football that shook me and my fandom to the core. And now I'm sitting here enjoying a Great Lakes uh, Brewing Company, Edmund Fitzgerald, which I believe is on tap at bars uh, statewide, um, including perhaps one found on Packard Road in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Could that be true?
0: Yes. Look, Spartan faithful. uh, You know, we are not necessarily... uh, If you're trapped in Ann Arbor, I guess is the way of saying it, Uh, there is... No finer place to visit than Fraser's Pub. Seriously. Uh, they have over 20 beers on tap, constantly rotating them, a ton of Michigan-based beers, um, and they're a pretty solid value. Um, they The other nice thing about Fraser's Pub is that it's not a student bar. Uh, it's the oldest sports bar in Ann Arbor, uh, very Big Ten friendly. I've watched MSU games there. I think, Greg, you and I have both watched MSU games there.
1: Uh, certainly basketball games, for sure.
0: <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, they have great food. Uh, they've got a house-made corned beef and pulled pork. Um, super affordable. What I love about it is that it's it's got a kind of Cheers vibe to it. A lot of regulars. Mm -hmm. People know your name. Uh, The waitstaff is salty in the most endearing way possible. Uh, (laughs) They will either be your best friend or your biggest enemy, which I feel like as a Spartan fan, if you can go in, be respectful, not be an asshole, uh, you'll get treated right there. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They're good people. They're good people. And you'll meet new friends all the time.
0: Genuinely. Genuinely, we'll meet new friends. Fraser's Pub, Ann Arbor, Michigan— on Packard Road, cannot recommend it enough. Uh, as a sincere Spartan fan, as a nice place to get a solid beer, good food, and grab uh, grab a Michigan State game. Um, so presenting sponsor, Frazier's Pub, Ann Arbor, Michigan.
1: And that's real, by the way. That's a, a real presenting sponsor for Can't Read, Can't Write, the podcast. We will continue
0: um, with our with our uh, more. So
1: if you're in Ann Arbor, go there and tell the Wade staff, can't read, can't write, the podcast sent you. And they'll say, what? Because there are like two people that know about this in that building and you're probably not talking to one of them. But do it anyway. Tell them to talk to the
0: manager uh, Mm -hmm. if they don't know what we're talking about or what you're talking about. (laughs) Because it's real. Please go to the Fraser's Pub. Please order a beer, tip well, and tell them that can't read, can't write, sent you. Uh, It would mean a whole lot to us. If you're not in Ann Arbor... (laughs) drive to ann arbor uh and hey if you're making the trip down for the game coming up in a few weeks yeah uh do seriously it, it's uh near enough to the golf course or wherever you might be tailgating that like you can make that walk um especially if you're like oh that's half true. In the bag if you're a little yeah. half in the bag it helps um yeah. but very uh,
1: accessible walk
0: uh, but anyway, enough about Fraser's pub, go there. I, I mean, uh, can
1: you ever say enough about Fraser's pub? They are the presenting sponsor of can't read, can't write.
0: That's true. It's almost as if the peanut barrel was larger and didn't have students in it and was more beer heavy. Is that a fair assessment?
1: I, uh, I understand that we're actually getting paid by Fraser's <laughs> pub, but like, am I, am I Don't. selling out? The peanut barrel. For, All right, for we this we podcast? don't mean to we don't need to
0: besmirch smir- the peanut barrel in any way, but we do genuinely endorse Fraser's Bob. and that's actually from a personal experience. Indeed, better uh, than groovy
1: donuts. Let's just say that.
0: <laughs> Looking at you, Graham Couch. Um, so uh, that's Kevin,
1: not the. That's not going to be the last time that we drink from the couch and the Rubes uh, milkshake this episode uh what what are we uh what are we doing what what are the segments here mike remind me so
0: uh first we're going to take a peek behind the green wall which is um you know a lot of people refer to the detroit press or not detroit press but the the detroit media as the blue wall so Mm -hmm. we like to uh look behind the green wall and see uh you know how things have been covered how well they've been covered um, and then we're going to move forward to our off Grand River segment where we talk about some sports stories that uh, may be happening outside of the MSU sort of sphere. Uh, mm-hmm. We're going to take some Twitter questions, and then we're going to do a Hoops preview uh, that Twitter we're really questions. excited about.
1: Twitter questions featuring an all-star cast of, uh, of Twitter question askers. Um, so. Particularly,
0: Get Hyped, the Upper Deck Jerk guy came in like Strong. a rock star. For Strong. A- for not really knowing the podcast, he came through strong and we will give him more than 58 seconds, which is all the couch in the room. Give him because you know what? We're where
1: you should turn to. Yeah. And I'm in the habit of giving more than 58 seconds, uh, for most of the things that I do. So let's, uh, let's actually talk about this game. Jonesy. Um, is it even worth talking about the game or should we just talk about the aftermath of the game?
0: I think we'll very briefly talk about the game for those who maybe didn't see it, maybe decided to unplug, go up North, whatever. Uh, Michigan state played Wisconsin, uh, a top 10 team this past weekend in, uh, in Madison mm-hmm. and lost, uh, in a 38, nothing shutout. Uh, yeah, it, it was ugly. Um, and we told you last week, Wisconsin hadn't played anyone.
1: Yeah. So normally (laughs) in this segment, we sort of go down the list of what the, you know, the green wall had to say about the game. And we agreed with them on last week's podcast. In a lot of cases, generally speaking, it was expected to be a competitive game and one that MSU had a chance of winning, but would certainly at least hang in to a degree. And that was not the product that we saw on the field Saturday.
0: No, some, some fun facts. Uh, I believe there was one TV timeout, uh, in the first quarter and one TV timeout in the third quarter because Wisconsin just owned the ball the entire time. There was no chance to cut to commercial. Mm-hmm. Um, it's they... like a built
1: in tight cut.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's probably why there aren't any on YouTube right now. Um, the uh, the longest run play for Michigan State the entire day was on a fake punt on fourth down uh, by a linebacker. Yep, uh, that's what you want. Yeah. Look, I mean, what's dispiriting about this, and I think the thing that, that we'll sort of segue into a, a broader conversation that's happening right now in MSU Twitter and MSU Media is about the future of the program, and and particularly Coach D'Antonio's future, um, is that Wisconsin was a team that we modeled ourselves off of when Coach D'Antonio took the reins here. Yeah. And they don't necessarily recruit better talent, per se, than we do. And we looked baffled.
1: It was was a one-sided affair. It was utter destruction. And uh, as we said last week... All of the expectations this season were sort of predicated on that MSU defense, that vaulted defense, whether it was going to be Big Ten championship caliber or national championship caliber. Uh, I understand that they hung in the fight for three quarters, but they just they looked outclassed at times in this game. And then, of course, on the other side of the ball, the offense didn't score a point. Blanked. Blanked,
0: Jonesy. And it's worth talking about the defense because there were a few times that it was, you know, Wisconsin would pick up three, would pick up five, would pick up three, you know, or would run a full four downs because Mm -hmm. they knew they could get the two yards. Um, Jack Cohn, their their, uh, quarterback, who was kind of a nothing burger for the season was not Dude considered was
1: methodical in this lights game. lights
0: out. I yeah. mean, couldn't miss.
1: Um,
0: so, and it wasn't like what, it, I mean, they, they ran the same scheme that Indiana had run against us, which is, you know, we're going to throw these passes, uh, that aren't particularly long and, and just, you know, pick up a few yards. And yeah. what was different is that Indiana was able to make those into more than a few yards. Um, but for Wisconsin, they didn't need more than a few yards. They would just inch by inch, just bleed you as death by a thousand cuts. And it was ugly. And 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 MSU's identity that we've kind of held on to for the D'Antonio era
1: yeah. was not there. Now, uh, in fact, not to to push us into the next part of this, but the lack of identity is, I think, probably what people are reacting to the most here. This was entirely demoralizing
0: absolutely um and you know i think for the past couple weeks we've been sort of trying to tell people slow your roll mm-hmm. like let's let's not freak out yeah
1: ohio and, state's a great team uh that lost to arizona state was an outlier uh they managed to move the ball against ohio state at times against indiana uh they didn't they didn't even move the ball really against Wisconsin it was a worse it was a total outclassed it was a i mean i, I wouldn't want to offend our presenting sponsor uh Fraser's pub but it it was uh it was an s show uh we got to keep it clean for applecast but uh it was not good
0: no and and you know what's you know you you kind of bring up an interesting point though about the what you might say about the excuses that we made before right that because what's interesting is it's not necessarily untrue all of those excuses Mm -hmm. we put up a ton of yardage on uh, arizona state we just never seemed to punch it in yeah and then there were complaints well you know then it's a red zone thing but then the next two games we showed amazing red zone efficiency Mm -hmm. um and and actually, even to a degree, against Ohio State, we showed pretty solid red zone efficiency when we got there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, this felt different. It 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 felt like it felt like a motivation thing. Mm-hmm. You you looked at the team and they just and, and I don't know if it's because they came in with these aspirations of something greater, and as soon as they lost to Ohio State, those were dead.
1: I kind of don't think that was it. Uh, I I think it was when this game got about halfway through, and it was clear, even with that fake punt, that things were just not going to get going. Like, how did that drive even end with the fake punt? It was a disaster, wasn't it? I think it was uh, three and out after that. Great, that's what you want. Yeah. I mean, those things are killer. And when When you take a huge chance like that and it works for a moment. But then the defense takes it back away from you again. I haven't played football in a long time, uh, but I have to imagine that, that uh, that's that's going to be a killer. If or not in, even that is working for you, what do you do well, afterwards?
0: Well, and what was frustrating was after that fake punt, you know, the they showed the sideline and D'Antonio was like yelling at his offense in like mm-hmm. a let let's go let's mm-hmm. let's go like he was amped up like let's make something happen and then it didn't
1: nope Got and, y- and,
0: and so you know in that moment he was he was ready um so let's i mean so the result of this is that everyone's talking about what's the future of coach d yeah you know um uh, Mike Valenti, who you may have heard us talk about before, he's a commentator who's been chasing the high of one rant that he had back in 2006
1: Ooh, We since. named names on Can't Read, Can't Write.
0: Yeah, not afraid to go there. Uh, Mike Valenti, uh, dumbass of the year as far as I'm concerned. Uh, okay, sugge- so uh,
1: I have not heard this, but tell me your perception of what he said.
0: So I hadn't... Had an impression earlier uh, that I was misinformed by Graham Couch, who was corrected yeah. in air. Um, but the what Valenti said was that D'Antonio during this bye week should announce his retirement. Okay, so, so that the the team can move on. I still think that is dumb.
1: Yeah. Well, the so his rationale for it is so that the team can move on. My, my question would be move on to what? There's no clear uh, if the defense isn't performing to the level that you think it's supposed to, which is where presumably a, a head coach in waiting would be coming from. I don't think anyone's expecting an offensive member of the staff to be elevated to uh, to interim head coach. It would be presumably Trestle. Oh, to, no, no, no.
0: That's not that's not what Valenti's saying. Valenti's saying that D'Antonio should just merely say at the end of the season he's retiring.
1: Sure. So here's, again, why I disagree with that. There's no clear plan. If it was, I'm stepping down at the end of the season, this is your head coach and waiting, uh, kind of a a reverse uh, uh, Bo, what's his name? Uh, Wisconsin basketball head coach. Ryan. Bo Ryan. Ryan, pardon me. Uh, who retired at the last moment to make sure Greg Gard got the job. Uh, If D'Antonio decided he was going to retire really early to sort of tee up another guy, that might make sense to me. But I don't think he or the administration, pardon me, would name a head coach in waiting. It would just be, it would really just write the rest of the season off it would be like in 2007 or 2008 when Lou K. Fi- Simon fired John L. Smith with four games to play, and then asked him to continue to coach them. That was an, <laughs> a f- he; she effectively retired him uh, as the coach of MSU with games to play, with no clear, you know, next man up in sight. So I reject the premise that the team would benefit from that. I think the team would probably benefit more from Mark D'Antonio, you know, taking responsibility for the personnel, for the scheme, those types of things. Uh, I, I really don't think that if everyone just said, oh, well, the coach is retiring. Yeah, our coach is retiring at the end of the year. Let's play harder. Um, I, I, it just seems like things would be worse. They'd spiral out of control. From there, there would be more transfers, I would think. Uh, because you're giving these, I, I mean, we had another one this week, MSU had another one this week. It was a player that, uh, you know, I, we appreciate all the Spartans, but uh, he you know, wasn't exactly getting playtime, so it's not particularly relevant to the outcome of upcoming games, we wouldn't think, but I would expect the volume of transfers to increase substantially. If D'Antonio announced his uh, retirement at this time, Uh, I wouldn't expect the team to play particularly hard. Um, I I just don't see how it would work.
0: Well, so I think two, two things that are worth adding is one that, you know, you brought up John L Smith and, and, so the, the subsequent search for a new head coach. Mm-hmm. What was interesting is that, you know, during that time, uh, Mark D'Antonio would not interview for the job until after his season at Cincinnati was completed.
1: At Cincinnati and finished, yeah.
0: And so it's, there's part of me that is hesitant to believe that D'Antonio wouldn't carry that ethos forward and mm-hmm. say I'm not quitting on this team until the season is finished. Yeah. Now Graham Couch, um, who we have, I think, only badmouthed so far, uh, had an interesting theory that What's if, that? if he was going to do something like this, mm-hmm. announce a retirement midseason, that the time to do it would be after the Illinois game. Be like, guys you know, this has been a great ride. I'm, I'm heading out and sort of asking for a a bit of a swan song, uh, you know, to motivate his guys to crush Michigan the next week. Like I'm leaving play for, play for my last hurrah.
1: Right. I
0: mean, I I, I don't think either one is right, but after the
1: Illinois game, there would be three remaining games at Michigan would be that final, that next week. And then yep. at Rutgers and versus Maryland at home, uh, which are essentially irrelevant games, uh, I would hope. So, I can buy that way more than Valenti's uh, mm-hmm. idea that he should do it now, uh, halfway through the season. Um, that would at least, uh, I think, give fans a reason to show up. You know, that last week farewell in November, to her. Yeah. Yeah. Coach D's last Which, game.
0: We have a we have a question on that. So we don't want to get too much into that Maryland game uh and and attendance related to it. But yes, that would certainly amp attendance, I would think.
1: Yeah. I think all of it's irrelevant though. I don't think he has any intention to do so. I don't think he's the type of guy to do it. So uh it's fun to speculate, but I'll be very surprised if that ends up happening at well, the end so, of the season given all the things that are going on both with the team and ongoing litigation if it were to happen then uh i'd be much less surprised but a mid-season retirement does not seem like mark Antonio's modus operandi
0: well so kevin let's say uh coach d'antonio mm-hmm. wants to stay Mm-hmm. is not is not done and and so which i um, think
1: is the most likely outcome right well so
0: i i yeah i mean i said at the top that i'm starting to be disappointed um so i i guess i would i would turn to you and say do you feel like you need to hear anything from him if he wants to stay and if so what do you want to hear
1: uh well he's already started to take responsibility for the team i think personally it's got to be hard uh earlier this year we talked about how he's close to a redemption moment where he gets to stand up next to the podium and say that my reshuffling of the staff was effective it worked we're winning games um i think it's clear that that has not come to pass these last two games have been embarrassing and he said himself in the press conference it shouldn't be like this so from a personal standpoint he's got to deal with the fact that he thought he had a solution i'm sure he worked very hard on it i trust him about that uh but he's got to evaluate you know his own approach to things and he's got to acknowledge that uh what he you know, his plan failed. Uh, I think on uh, the Big Ten Network, uh, Urban Meyer was was, sorry, was saying to Jerry DiNardo that he'd never seen that done before, a complete reshuffling of the staff. And this is probably the reason why. Uh, it's the same guys doing the same recruiting, slightly different jobs. I mean, the question is, did these football teams win because of personnel or can you just scheme the same group of guys into anything uh, well, into I mean, a, a winning team. And the answer, worth... go ahead.
0: Oh, I, So I think a few things. One is it's worth mentioning that even John L teams were able to put up points.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, say what you will, they put up points. Um, I also think it's worth, I'm not, I'm not that mad at Brad Salem. Mm -hmm. I don't think the play calling has been terrible. Sure. There are some that drive us all nuts, but you know, if part of me wonders if the personnel just isn't right for the scheme that he's trying to run, you know, there are certain
1: things that they continue to do that are simply not going to work. You can't run Cody white around the edge and expect them to pick up yardage. It's just not going to work. And you, you
0: can't, you can't, you can't have the drops that are happening. And that to me at some point in time is a coaching issue. The penalties this year aren't penalties of aggressiveness. They're penalties of stupidity. Yeah. Um, You know, the... So I agree there are coaching issues. I'm just pointing to the offense schematically. Um, You know, every time Michigan fires a coach and hires someone new that's going to be their savior, uh, they say, just wait for the guys. Just wait for the guys. He's got to get his guys in there. And... I'm sure to would agree with Josh Gaddis down there. It's like, well, got to get the guys. Even though the offense was supposed to be retooled for the guys, but anyway, that you know, that you got to wonder after playing a pro style offense for 13 years, now moving something that's up tempo and spread, yeah. Do we need to wait for the guys? And and so if I I'm not saying that there shouldn't be people let go. Um, and if it has to be the offensive coordinator, it has to be the offensive coordinator, though that should be in addition to a bunch of other people. Sure. Which well, then is a whole mountain of hiring you got to do, which is also its own challenge. But I, I guess I would just say that I'm not terribly disappointed in Brad Salem. There, there It has genuinely been improvement on offense.
1: I think it's unlikely that a first year offensive coordinator is going to get the boot. I think it's going to be probably those other guys got reshuffled around. Uh, Brian Lewerke is performing. Okay. Uh,
0: Great. Don't until Wisconsin. I
1: mean, I don't think he was he's good progress though. Quite no. in the same way. Uh, and also I've, I think we saw in the Wisconsin game, Rocky Lombardi isn't exactly progressing either. He played a better game on paper, but uh, in it's clear to me that he is not the answer for next season. So no.
0: And and I think that's the thing you could say about the entire team is that no one progressed. Mm-hmm. I mean, this team went 10 and three and didn't progress 10 and three, two years ago and has not progressed. And, and there's a number of things. I do think it's worth mentioning that, you know, back in 2016, there were, four top recruits that were kicked off the team for um, doing terrible things. Mm-hmm. And, and so they should have been kicked Deservedly off. Deservedly so. Right. But if we're analyzing the world in which that doesn't happen because they don't do those bad things and look at it, it purely from a talent perspective, this is potentially a very different team. Sure. And... You know, and then if you have a very different team that's way more talented, you go ten and three, and then the next year you don't go seven and five. Um or seven and six, I guess. Uh, no seven and five. Um no, that's twelve. Seven and six. Um the go. it was six
1: and yeah. six and then they won the bowl. No. No, it no, was no seven and five, then they lost the bowl game. Yeah.
0: Seven and six. Um you know, we you sure potentially have did. a much better the year game. that. Yeah. And, and so that year goes better.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You continue to recruit better. I, I mean, it's a compounding effect. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just think it's worth keeping that in mind. Um, look, I, I, what I need to hear from Coach Antonio, and then we'll, we'll kind of shuffle along here because this is going to be an ongoing process that we'll keep talking about. But if he chooses to stay, I need him to say that he's here for a while. I need him to say... Things need to change. Here are the ways I'm actually changing it. And then I'm not going anywhere because the lurking rumors about retirement are doing us no, no service on the recruiting trail. It is something that every other person who's recruiting someone that we're interested in can whisper in the ear of a recruit about Mark yeah. D'Antonio. Your head coach will not be there. So I need him to say, I'm here. I'm present. And it's going to take a few years like I'm okay with a few years. He can buy a few years mm-hmm. because this is what I'm doing, and we are going back to the playoffs. And here's my plan. Yeah, I, I need. So I just need that we, from him.
1: We should acknowledge that MSU football picked up a uh, commitment from from a three star running back with a pretty good looking offer list. So uh, yeah, I think he's borderline four. Uh, by offer list, I've seen way worse offers for four star players and the occasional five star player. You look at their offer list and it's like one blue chip and then nothing afterwards. Uh, some of them,
0: this kid had an offer from LSU. That's all you need to know.
1: Yeah. So in
0: Georgia, anyway, where his brother plays anyway.
1: Anyway, just finishing off my great lakes brewing company, Eddie Fitz, which is also available at the, uh, Frazier's pub potentially. I haven't verified that. Do they have it online? Can I look that up?
0: I don't know, but they have had it in the past, so there's a good chance you'll be able to find it there. If not, you'll be able to find other excellent Michigan beers.
1: Yeah. But, com. You move us on. I'm going to look at what uh, what's on draft over there at the uh, Frazier's Pub. Uh, well,
0: so the one other thing that I'll say as you're doing that, because I don't want to trample on our next ad copy
1: uh-huh.
0: um, from a very serious place, uh, is that you know Will Hunter at Spartans Wire, who I generally speaking think does a pretty good job over there, made an interesting comparison to losing D'Antonio or the idea that he should move on, which is that we have such fond memories of him that it's kind of comparable to death. That there's a, there. I mean, it's hyperbole. We'll have to
1: we'll have to grieve Mark <sighs> D'Antonio.
0: In a way, mm-hmm. I mean, I will be
1: sad. He, oh, for sure. He, he if brought you're not us sad. Back. If you're not sad, you uh, I don't know what to say to you. You, you have he, no you have no frame of reference if it doesn't bother you. The thing that the man has done with Spartan football is incredible. And if indeed I'm wrong and he announces his retirement either this week or as Graham Couch uh you know, postulated, uh, right before the Michigan game, everyone should show up to that last game of the year. Uh, yeah. and so. I
0: genuinely wonder the people on MSU Twitter who are seemingly rooting mm. for him to leave. Um,
1: yeah, you got hot I, about this.
0: I wonder when they went to school. Yeah. I, I look, you don't have to be a baby boomer to remember when things were terrible. Yeah. Uh, real terror when you always had so much hope and you were always disappointed
1: yeah so Even, uh, we've made reference to this <sighs> several times this year on the podcast go back and look at nick's nick saban's record at msu oh by it the way great but it is not that impressive along the way not in something terms to of remember wins and losses
0: d'antonio could have pulled a saban mm-hmm.
1: he could have left i'm sure he got calls I think he said, actually, that he hasn't had that many calls or that there's been no serious discussion at any point, Um, which is impressive. Uh, Update on Fraser's Pub, what's currently on tap. The only available porter or stout right now is the New Holland Poet, which is a fine, fine oatmeal stout. Uh, But as the weather turns here in the Great Lakes State, I would expect them to add More, uh, potentially including the Great Lakes Eddie Fitz, fits, which is a fantastic beer.
0: So, you know, Kevin, if you're just going to stomp all over our next ad copy, we will get to it after Off Grand River and before Twitter questions. Mm.
1: Okay, let's go
0: Off Grand River Frasers we're going to talk to you about getting two advertising spots, apparently.
1: Listen, I make it worth your while, Frasers. I make it worth (sighs) your while.
0: All right, so uh, heading Off Grand River uh let's start with uh i mean this is not college but it is almost uh, what everyone is talking about which is the nba in china yeah it's ubiquitous Um, in sports
1: right now uh yeah we should speaking of our sponsor uh (laughs) does does frazier's pub have designs for expansion into china or are we allowed to talk about this
0: uh, Fraser's Pub, one location, and one location only, Great. forever and always.
1: Great. You know what? It doesn't even matter, because you I'm know a what? man of true grit, and we're talking about this, whether Fraser's Pub likes it or not.
0: So, getting off Grand River, uh, NBA, China, uh, look, by way of background, um, the there's been weeks of protest in Hong Kong, because... Uh, there was a bill proposed in in essentially Hong Kong's legislature uh, that would expand uh, where people could be extradited to in the event of criminal acts. Mm -hmm. Um, And that law contained places, uh, other countries, but the main point of concern is mainland China. And for those who don't know, uh, not to get too into the history weeds here, but Hong Kong for a long time, was a territory of the United Kingdom. And uh-huh. back, I believe, in 2000,
1: 1999? Well, 2000? from uh, the movie Rush Hour, I remember that it was around that time. Yeah.
0: Somewhere around that time, Hong Kong was returned to mainland China, but has uh, been considered a semi-autonomous region. Um, so they enjoy what is plainly more freedom than an average Chinese citizen. Sure. Um, And so these protests have been going on and Houston Rockets GM, Daryl Morley, Mori, sorry, made a comment on Twitter in support of the people of Hong Kong. And China threatened to essentially withdraw the NBA from any business activity in China, which has been a huge source of revenue for the NBA.
1: And it is the next market that they tend to move into.
0: Yao Ming, baby.
1: Yeah. I mean, they, they've been pushing this. They've been building this for a long time. There are several NBA teams over there right now in mainland China, including the Los Angeles Lakers featuring Mr. LeBron James.
0: And so LeBron, um, who you know has been a, an outstanding advocate, and we, we mean that very sincerely, um, for uh, social injustice issues here in the United States um, decided to go
1: off a little bit on Daryl Morey um, I don't know I, I think it might be a little bit unfair to characterize it as going off on he had a critique for for Daryl Morely, Morey uh, I think that would probably be more fair
0: Fine, but he said that he didn't know what he was talking about and didn't consider the consequences of his actions. Mm -hmm. What's bizarre about that to me is that LeBron is an advocate for social justice.
1: Yeah. And, but it seems... I mean, he's made this a big part. He's clearly transitioning himself into (laughs) post-basketball... type of you know media personality that includes a lot of social justice themes and uh he was just in the news uh uh, the whole the california act uh for you know allowing athletes pay to play act yep the fair pay to play act the pay to play uh, act it, uh, it was signed on his show, on the set for his show, his HBO show. So, uh, you know, he's definitely trying to align himself with these types of social causes domestically. Yeah,
0: what's so funny about it to me is that, I mean, because LeBron James, you know, um, didn't go to college, skipped and went straight to the NBA, and mm-hmm. and at that level of youth, You would have thought maybe in in wealth that came to him relatively, not relatively, came to him immediately, that he would have potentially been uh, less mature. But he has been exceptional. Yeah. He's been, I mean, he is a fantastic advocate. He uh, is a great messenger. And, and is a good spokesperson for the NBA, for the game, and, and for, for the causes he believes in. Um, and has done it with maturity and class throughout his entire career. And what's interesting is that this is the first time that he really stepped on himself.
1: Well, um, uh, when he was taking his talents to South Beach, there was right. a bit of a backlash there. I am going to
0: chalk that up to he never got to declare for a college and he wanted to have that moment. But he also, okay. you know, in fairness, it was his hat day. Yeah, it was his hat day and also, you know, it was an attempt to maybe do something interesting and exciting for players. It could have been it could have been a thing. You know, it, it's I that piece I really don't fault him for and whether it's that him getting his hat day or making player transitions more interesting and exciting. Mm I'm, I'm, I'm less upset about it than, than I think almost anyone else is.
1: Well, I think where we're going with this is both of us disagree with Mr. James. And, uh, I think both of us have an idea that he's looking out for his financial interests, both with Nike, who does all of their manufacturing in China or the bulk of it, at least. And uh, the domestic gross for uh, Space Jam 2 coming soon to theaters. uh, The worldwide gross, pardon me. Uh, You think they're going to have
0: R. Kelly on that?
1: Yeah, yeah. They're going to do a remix. They're going to bring him back. Best of. He's going to do Ignition at the top, and he's going to do I Believe I Can Fly at the bottom. And he'll do a new original song somewhere in between.
0: I get it. I mean, having R. Kelly on is about as tone-deaf as as what he was saying.
1: Ooh. Once an episode you come up with the take that I just want to move straight to the top. LeBron I mean, and R. Kelly, same look, sentence. It, and
0: you know what? Here's here's the thing, is because we didn't explain this. The reason that it's a big deal that people in Hong Kong could be extradited to China is because China will crack down on political dissidents. Hong Kong has more freedom and they do tend to be more pro-democracy. And you know what? I'd like to believe that if you believe, no matter your political affiliation, if you believe in democracy as an American, then you ought to be in favor of democracy other places.
1: Yeah, this has been bipartisan, the support for... Well,
0: I think... Some people are trampling on him because they want to trample on LeBron. But, you know, the the fact of the matter is, is that LeBron chooses social justice issues when they don't affect his wallet in this particular case. Mm-hmm. And that's not the look that he should have. And it makes me skeptical of—and and I don't think this is crazy to say, well, how sincere can I take you if you don't care about somebody else who, you know— is worried that if they express free speech, that they could be imprisoned. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, uh, I value LeBron's free speech. I I hope he continues to be an advocate in the way that he has, but <laughs> on this, it's, you know, he he's not valuing the own rights he has and believing that other people should have those rights because he's yeah. choosing his wealth over their basic human rights
1: and there's been speculation that he's taking these stances because he himself is in mainland china right now uh and he's fearing for his safety or the safety of his team in some way uh one i don't find that to be a very convincing argument it would be a huge international incident if china decided to you know apprehend the entire Lakers team just simply for making statements to the media. Uh, and two, if it, if it is true, why is the NBA expanding into, you know, that market? Why are so many American companies willing to play ball? Uh, I don't think now is the time to get into this, but I'm interested in, in the NBA and the NBA's response to this as a symptom of the greater relationship between the United States and China economically, uh, and the, and American institutions willing to bend over backwards and accept, uh, certain things that they wouldn't be willing to do for other governments, uh, simply to gain access to the $1.5 billion billion people that live there and the cheap labor that, that China offers, um,
0: All right, well, let's uh, move back onto Grand River and talk about some. Well, actually, before that, we're going to take some Twitter questions. But uh, before we do that, uh, Kevin, why don't you take us into our next ad copy?
1: Yeah, uh, this podcast, Can't Read, Can't Write, isn't just brought to you by. Frazier's Pub with their uh, gracious OnTap uh, selection. It's also brought to you by the Hondo Carpenter School of Broadcast Journalism. You'll learn to rehearse questions, clench your fists, reduce the quiver in your voice to the extent that it's possible, and spit wicked truth to power. Remember, folks, at the Hondo Carpenter School of Broadcast Journalism, no question <laughs> is a dumbass question. Oh,
0: Hondo, Hondo, Hondo. Thank you for your contributions to Can't Read, Can't Write, to journalism. You have been able to replace so many reporters at Sports Illustrated. Mm-hmm. It is fantastic. Uh, and continue to uh, create other bloggers. Um, and let me, so- let me
1: add, uh, I look forward to, if Mark D'Antonio does <laughs> uh, choose to announce his retirement, hearing that uh, Tom Mezzo will be taking over the football team. Um as we did last time.
0: Can't wait. (laughs) Thank you, Hondo, for your intrepid journalism. You truly Mm -hmm. are the Bob Woodward of Michigan State. Anyway, uh, Kevin, Twitter questions. Uh, Our first one is coming from and one green and white. Should D'Antonio announce his retirement this weekend or soon to allow time to start a coaching search and ease the transition period?
1: So we covered this, I think to a large degree, but to be direct, uh, I don't think there's much to be gained from announcing it this weekend. Uh, if you're going to announce your retirement, I would agree with Mr. Couch of the Lansing State Journal that maybe you delay it till later in the season, uh, or you can just make your intentions known behind the scenes. Uh, I think it is the consensus view of Can't Read, Can't Write, the podcast. That uh, Bill Beekman, current athletic director, and as far as we're aware, uh, will be uh, athletic director for some time, uh, probably is not equipped to make a bold coaching hire uh, for an a ex-football coach. So maybe that would be beneficial, you get to fire up that uh, headhunting crew, uh, get to put together your your... You have to start sending out feelers and doing those types of things, Uh, but other than that, uh, other than doing it behind the scenes and and getting the administration to start working on those types of things, I don't understand how a public uh, declaration of retirement would be beneficial to the team. Jonesy, what do you think?
0: Same. Uh, I think either before the Michigan game or perhaps after the regular season, uh, but the no, he shouldn't. I, I, it's not a, would he, it's, I honestly, no, he shouldn't. It does nothing. I think it's disheartening. It's during a bye week. It's not between a rivalry game that is part of what made us love him in the first place. Like, it, there's zero reason to. It, it, yeah. He should not. Um, If if he uh, was here right now, and, and we hope to have him in studio soon. Um, yeah, he, working he, on that. Yep. Uh actively in uh working actively working on you being able to hear his voice on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um so, uh Kevin, we'll move to our next question from Mike Jervis. Uh, if we can shift sports gears, uh wondering your thoughts on the nascent uh, Big Ten hockey season. Who do you like? When is MSU gonna shake off its post applicator era struggles? <laughs>
1: Josie, I think this is the perfect uh, question for you to take, right?
0: (laughs) I mean, look, here is Jervis, Jervis, we love your question. We know where you're coming from uh, because you literally cannot ask about football or basketball because your team does not do that, uh, or at least not well anyway. Um, But we will take this. Uh, Who do we like? We always like MSU. Yeah. Um, look, look, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to make predictions in the Big Ten season, and Greg, I, I'll, I'll rely on you to add more color. But from everything I'm seeing and hearing, is that MSU is actually on the up right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I look forward to a respectable season and continued growth, and to the point that we can. We can say that we're actually shaking off those struggles. I would like to also point out that I drank out of the Stanley Cup when applicator came to the RIV. So Mm -hmm. I am the curse.
1: You, that's you. Uh, Of uh, hockey, I I can't claim to be some kind of uh, hockey analyst. I know that uh, they lost some nice pieces from last year, but the Dan Cole, uh, as I understand it is encouraged by the, the current team. He's got a couple good lines that he's going to be working with, uh, last year, you know, they, they were more competitive, uh, in the big 10 than they had been the previous years. Uh, I know that that didn't necessarily end up reflecting in the, the final season polls, but I was personally at a great game against Ohio state where they, Pulled from a large deficit, I don't remember what it was, four games, five games. It was a great time. Uh, hockey's a lot of fun. Going to a hockey game at, uh, at Munn is a really good time. And something that I think the fan base has sort of lost. I hear stories about how hockey used to be the hottest ticket in town. Uh, that's obviously no longer the case. If you look on StubHub for what the Duke MSU basketball tickets are going for, it's unreal. Uh, It's like Super Bowl dollars and cents. But um, if you're in town or you're in the state of Michigan, I'd recommend making the drive up. It's more fun than you would think. It's affordable. And uh, what I will say on the subject of the Stanley Cup and MSU bars is that there is a story out there about the cup, Hootie from Hootie and the Blowfish and Tiger Woods all being at Rick's at the same time. You should Google that.
0: All right. I guess do not take a pause to Google, though. Um, We're going to move to our all-star segment, the Upper Deck Jerk Guy. uh, That's right. We will give 59 seconds to uh, starting now. Uh, First question. Connor, not a Captain Cook's attitude seems like it will be a fit for the XFL. Can he carry the league to relevance?
1: Well, it needs a villain, right? and Connor Cook Uh, we didn't even talk about this and we are on the same page absolutely the same page yeah Uh, that's I mean I was young when the XFL came out the first time but from what I remember it was like big personalities and some some light villain type Uh, now I, I think the whole not a captain stuff was dumb and i said i suspect that the upper deck jerk guy uh also agrees with that but uh if he can get an edge to him if he can uh sort of make it his own team and he was taken second overall from a team that already had a designated quarterback (laughs) so uh i suspect that he'll you know that is a franchise that is excited to have him and he'll get opportunities there uh if they win games, it means he'll get some camera time and, uh, you know, counter cook, he, you know, can take trophies right out of football legends hands and give speeches. And, uh, I think I I could see how the XFL could work. Uh, but I also hope that he parlays this into, uh, you know, another shot of the NFL.
0: And if he doesn't, I hope he, he has a long and meaningful career with the XFL. He was a pleasure to watch as a Spartan. I, I think he's honestly a great fit for it. And and I hope I hope he really kind of embraces personality as this. Yeah. Uh, you know, Dial I, it up. I, yeah. I, I think in some ways, him being a character makes him more affable, even if he's a villain. And so, look, we're psyched for Connor. Uh, I... Honestly, you know, roughneck since birth, um, and will be will. Je- I don't watch the NFL a ton because I don't care for it. I will watch the XFL, so um, very excited. Uh, next question from the upper deck jerk guy: uh, How much playing time will a Foster Lawyer average per game this year? After hearing Izzo's glowing review of Rocket Watts' D, if for those who don't know, Rocket Watts is a freshman. Um, and Foster Lawyer is uh, a, a sophomore who is backing up our amazing point guard Cassius Winston.
1: Yeah, Kevin. Uh, he's a freshman combo guard. Uh, I think the uh, I don't know necessarily that the staff has brought him in as a, as a point guard necessarily. Uh, he's you know he's taller than a prototypical MSU point guard is. Uh, they it is true uh, the UDJG is correct. Uh, the staff seems to think that, that he could grade out it like an elite college defensive player, not good, but elite. Uh, I think Izzo said in a, uh, in uh, some, one of the various interviews that he's done, um, that, uh, the shooting may be a little bit behind for Rocket, uh, given where we're at, with point guards, I would expect in most games, Cassius is going to get, you know, 30 minutes, hopefully at maximum, maybe down to 25, depending on the game. Uh, dude's going to get most of the run. Foster's put on some, you know, he's he's a little more cut, uh, I'm told, uh, in his photo, in his team photo. He's really filling out that jacket. So uh, we're happy for Foster Lawyer. It's not just Gucci belts for him anymore. Uh, but I, I bet our guy foster ends up getting more time than the fan base expects uh that dude fills it up and uh as long as he can bring the ball up the floor and operate the offense uh i would expect him to get i don't know some i bet if we're halfway through the the uh the season he's averaging 7 minutes a game maybe a little bit more than that
0: yeah, I would say that if if Rocket's D is as good as said, the only time that gets flipped is when they need to give uh, Cassius a break in a particularly tough game, mm-hmm. uh, where maybe that defense has a little bit higher of a premium. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, if it's just sort of an ordinary given, given Cassius a few minutes of a break, um, I would suspect that, that Foster's going to take that spot, particularly because Rocket can play the two spot Shooting guard spot and um, and so he can get more minutes by being able to play both and I also understand that that part of the challenge that Raka Watts is dealing with right now is being coached on two spots yeah um so he may not be as primed to play the 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 point guard spot um be, because of that so um, I I tend to agree Foster's probably going to take seven though I could see some scenarios where that ends up being flipped uh, depending on the the opponent um moving along uh will we see the full potential of former mcdonald's all-american joshua langford
1: well i I think we have seen the full potential of former mcdonald's all-american joshua langford uh i don't think all of a sudden he's going to become some hyper athletic slasher uh i think he's going to be a spot shooter i think he can create his own shot to a small degree uh, hopefully he doesn't, you know, take those single dribble shots. Hopefully he just comes off the screens and, and shots. Uh, I went and I looked back at his stats. He's like a very reliable 40%, uh, three point shooter, which is fine. It's actually a little under what Matt McQuaid shot last year. Matt McQuaid shot for, uh, 0.42, uh, from three over the course of the season last year. And if we could just basically take, <clears throat> if we could take Langford, who isn't coming back to the same team that he left, uh, that needs to be understood. That out of necessity, uh, Tom Izzo really changed the composition of the team and the way that they ran, uh, they ran their sets, and just the fact that you know, we might be getting into this later, that like Kenny Goyne started taking shots uh, shortly after. Or right around the same time that that Langford got hurt, um, Duke. Yeah, so I I kind of I appreciate the question. I kind of think we we know what we're getting with Josh Langford, and I I just hope that um, he can sort of plug into the new MSU offense that's built entirely around Cassius Winston.
0: So in short, you would say that. Uh, what the upper deck jerk guy thinks is the full potential is probably not actually his full potential and that we've already seen it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, that's
1: that's the thesis of my statement. We already know what we're getting with Josh Langford.
0: I would concur. Uh, I'll leave it at that. Uh, how many more people would attend the Maryland game on Thanksgiving weekend if they sold beer at Spartan stadium, like they do at Ohio stadium?
1: I don't know, man. I, I, <sighs> I don't think people are going to that game. I I appreciate what you're trying to do here, upper deck jerk guy. Uh, But I I think one way or another, people have beer at home. People have beer. uh, It has more
0: to do with the season. I mean, and that's that's that. Like, it's not the beer. uh, Because there's beer in the parking lot. uh, There's fireball in the parking lot. And, um, you know, uh, play
1: better. Yeah, if you could do the Breslin Center, like just put and, the the giant. And don't schedule black Maryland then. Don't schedule Maryland then. Like the like MSU has a choice <laughs> when they schedule well,
0: Maryland. No, no, I know that's on the Big Ten, and they and they are they are screwed for the next five years. Mm-hmm. But anyway, sorry.
1: Yeah, if they could just uh, basically close off the upper decks and just make everyone come down and hang out in the lower bowl, I think everyone would be better off
0: concur uh so uh
1: next up for the love of god who's playing the four the four the four uh I, I think we know i think it's Kithier. uh he was very reliable at times last year uh i know malik hall uh also an incoming freshman has been uh really hyped up Uh, he was a, a highly valued recruiter.
0: Hold on, hold on, hold on. You should say at the front, if Hauser's approved for his, his transfer, it's Hauser. But if not, you're saying it's Kithier.
1: Well, Izzo keeps tempering expectations on that. He, he keeps saying, yeah, you know, we put it in. I like what we said. I like your argument. Uh, I'm not the type of guy to ask for a transfer. Uh, we, hopefully we find out soon. Uh, it is definitely Joey Hauser if he's available uh, that dude can fill it up uh, especially from three he can also put it on the deck a little bit so uh, he is the dude at the four if it's not <clears throat> if he's not available to go it's Kithier. Uh, I've heard speculation that uh, that that could change over the course of the of the year but is like the sure thing uh, so. So, Kevin, I,
0: I I have to say that we need to take a more analytical approach on this. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's a little too much gut going on on that speculation, and I think you're relying too much on your gut. We need to use math. All right? We're looking at the four. There's Are like going- four guys who can play the four right now. Four times four is 16. Mm-hmm. But you need one guy to do it. So you need to subtract one from 16, which is 15. So you look, need to look at number 15, which is... Thomas Kithier. It's going to be, it's, it's Kithier. Kithier's starting your game. Kithier's ending your game. There's going to be some other people in there, but if it's, if it's not Hauser, Uh, it's Kithier.
1: Uh, yeah, uh, that's beautiful. That was, that was glorious. I, I, it was amazing to sit here and listen to you, uh, as we went through that. All Um, right. Speaking of seeing potential, uh, while we're talking about the four, Marcus Bingham, apparently he's put on like 20 pounds. We'll see. We'll find yeah.
0: out. It, it, everyone check out, um, I think, Freep, LSJ, and uh, the Detroit News all have a story on how much Marcus Bingham is eating. Um, cool. He's eating a lot. And uh, dude is packed on, like, uh, 25 pounds because he's eating all the time. And you know what? I will say in Marcus Bingham's defense, because he, I think he complained a little bit about it, the amount that he's eating would be legitimately a chore. <laughs> Excuse me for the cough. Uh, All right, next question, and apparently the most important question from the Upper Deck Jerk Guy is, um, what is the best Phil Collins song?
1: Uh, You go ahead and start this one. All right,
0: so I told Upper Deck Jerk Guy he is not going to like my answer, Mm -hmm. and my initial answer was, any song that does not have Phil Collins is my favorite Phil Collins song. But I took some time, I reflected on it, And I think Phil Collins has a song that so reflects the era in which he really wrote, which is Susudio. It is vapid, nonsensical, and a banger. So that's my answer. Sue, Susudio. And if you look at the lyrics around him talking about Susudio, they make no sense. Like, one doesn't have anything to do with the other one. So... Uh, you know what, Phil Collins, you put a banger out there, it is in every movie that's trying to c- encapsulate the 80s or early 90s, uh, and you know what, it, it holds up,
1: because it doesn't make any
0: sense. Yeah. Greg, your choice.
1: So, we, uh, I decided, I'm not, I'm not gonna mess around with this question. I, I simply do not have a favorite Phil Collins song. Boo. It's, it's like, I'm proud of you for doing your research, but it's like we were giving junk to LeBron earlier. You know, when you've got something to lose, it's easy to, you know.
0: Uh, You're not going to cater to the epic, your cry. I respect that.
1: Yeah, exactly. I'm a man of true grit. I, I'm not going to pretend that I have a favorite Phil Collins song. Uh, if we lose one of our better uh, Twitter questioners as a result, so be it. Uh, I'm I'm not going to mortgage who I am uh, just for the upper deck jerk guy. Although I'm going to parlay this. I have a question for the upper deck jerk guy.
0: Oh, we'll see if you listen long enough because yeah. we are
1: running long. Yes, we are. I want to know if you've ever made good on actually being the upper deck jerk guy. If this is real, if this actually happened, you just tweeted us. You don't have to give a context. You know, listeners to the pod, and you will know. Uh, just tweeted us like yes, I have. It's true. Or and I want
0: I want to know I want to know your most jerk thing that you did in the upper deck.
1: Or I'm an upper deck jerk guy to be. Uh, because I presume you're interpreting this as Spartan Stadium upper deck. Ooh, interesting twist. I'm interpreting upper deck jerk guy as upper decker toilet shenanigans. Is that not how you interpreted?
0: No, not at all. Okay. Uh, and I was just thinking maybe he's in a different stadium, uh, but uh, we'll move on from your nonsense theory. All right, you can also uh, tell
1: us uh, the the etymology of uh, "predictor guy" uh, if you, if you want. And we'll take that ex- as well. But I'm pretty sure it's toilet, right. toilet stuff.
0: Toilet <laughs> stuff. You mean butt stuff? Um. What is the best follow on the Twitters? He asks, and he says, "Hint me." Uh, I will say, "Hint is me," as in us. Uh, Spartan underscore Pod can't help but do a plug. Is the best follow on Twitter. Um, but look, Upper Deck Jerk Guy, we are desperate for an audience. You are solid.
1: It's not that bad. It's not that bad. All right,
0: we're not desperate, but we don't want to alienate. We're very happy our to have you, though. And we will say, uh, currently, crushing the Twitter is Upper Deck Jerk Guy. Mm -hmm. Um, So we would invite people to uh, challenge him for the belt. Uh, But in terms of Twitter questions, he is the best. Yeah. So Twitter, bring it. Um, And with that, Kevin, uh, we will move on to a little hoops talk Um, But before that, we have an ad from uh, Sports Illustrated. (laughs) Oh, nope. Sorry. They let off the ad department. All right, we're going to move on from Twitter now to a little hoops preview. Um, uh, Kevin, I'll let you lead the analysis, but by all accounts, uh, every monitored media outlet on uh, the Reddit subthread College Basketball has us as the consensus uh, or near consensus number one pick. The only other number one is Kansas. And I'm pretty sure that is from an Adidas publication.
1: Uh, yes, guess that's right. <laughs> straight from it. Uh, straight from uh, Adidas. uh, uh that was good. Uh, but yeah, so there are there is not an official AP poll yet, uh, but the college basketball subreddit has sort of been chronicling all the various media outlets as they announce their top 25s. Uh, MSU is the near consensus number one. Uh, and in all likelihood, MSU is going to end up playing the other number one, Kansas, as you mentioned, in Maui this year. Uh so we've already covered a lot of basketball, just some like quick hitters, uh, it loses. The team loses McQuaid and goings, uh, two seniors that had a real role at the end of the season. Both of them were starters. Uh, first game of the season is at Madison square garden against Kentucky, uh, which we talked about going to, but I can't, we'll have to handle that off the pod. I'm going to be, uh, traveling for work that day. Uh, so don't react right now. Anyway, uh, so the real questions are the two and the four, uh, which the upper deck jerk guy really led us into. Uh, I think we've answered both of those questions. The two being the, uh, the, uh, uh the shooting guard and the power forward. Not that, uh, necessarily college basketball, uh, teams these days, modern offenses and defenses really, uh, rely on those, uh, on those you know position types, but I digress. So uh, we would expect definitely Josh Langford returning senior Josh Langford to take over the bulk of the minutes of the two, and we agree through math that Thomas Kithier is going to take the bulk of the not necessarily the bulk, but be the starter of the four. Uh, it's worth noting that this team has a consensus all-American senior point guard returning, which just simply does not happen in college basketball. It's an anomaly. Uh so that can't be overlooked that a talent such as Cassius Winston is coming back to school uh that I mean it's pretty well known that March is for point guards senior point guards in particular this seems like a team that might be built for a deep run in uh not simply just because it's you know one of the most talented teams and it did go to the final four last year but like there's a resilience that's built into having a well-experienced point guard that this team is going to have. So uh, you and I have kind of talked about this, but real quick, I, I think let's just say the expectation is a national championship. And we've done this thought experiment before the two of us, but let's do it now on the pod. Why give me a couple reasons why MSU might win the national championship or you know what better yet let's just go with a couple of reasons why MSU might not win the national championship
0: we've seen what they got uh that uh, you know McQuaid certainly Goin's I think maybe to a lesser degree um are are huge losses and are being backfilled with talent that doesn't have the same experience and um uh, capability um mm-hmm. Well, and,
1: I would disagree with that. I think the backfills might be more talented.
0: But, but it, I think it's, it, when, I, when I talk about talent, I, I guess I look at it in an Izzo context, which is experience. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sure, yeah, maybe there's more raw talent. And, and and I guess I would sort of defeat my own argument by saying there's enough experience around them to, to sort of counterbalance that. But, um, yeah. you know that we've already seen their ceiling um, and that if, and and the other piece is that if Izzo messes up, um, if we get to a place where the team is as tired as it was against Texas Tech last year in the final four, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. that that's on Izzo. Um, Except
1: for the, the usual knock against Izzo is that he plays too many dudes and he never shortens his rotation.
0: Not at the end. <laughs> I don't I don't know that that's...
1: Last year, it wasn't the case. Last year, out of necessity, he shortened the, the, uh, the rotation. But that has been a common knock for Izzo over the years, is that he's willing to play too many dudes and that they trot, you know, five guys out on the floor who you wonder who's going to put the ball in the basket at a certain point. Uh, right. It's been said of this team, that you can't put a bad lineup out there. And that may be true. I think I could, you know, force it. But, uh, I, in most cases, this team, Yeah, I I, I can force
0: that. <laughs> I, I can, I can pick a bad lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you have Xavier Tillman, uh, running point guard and, I'm there. Yeah. um, But, you know, it, which is not to say he's not an incredible talent and can handle the ball better than I can, but uh, you could pick a bad lineup, but I, I get your point. Um, I do wonder if if the Hauser transfer is approved, uh, and for those who have been tracking, Joey Hauser went to Marquette last year um, and transferred this year along with his brother, whose first name I don't know, but who's older. Um, and is
1: at Virginia now?
0: Yeah. Um, and and would be an incredible transfer. Um, though oftentimes when you almost always, when you transfer, you have to sit a year out unless you can apply for, you know, exceptional circumstances. It's not clear what those are in many cases for many student athletes, but yeah, um, I have a theory that his parents bullied him to go to Marquette because they're like, we're not going to go to your games because we're going to go see your older brother's games instead. Um, and so he was forced to go to Marquette. And then his older brother decided to transfer,
1: and so he felt like he was a prisoner there. We should bring him on the pod as well. You know, as we're trying to get Mark D'Antonio, we should try to get. Uh, Don't Dick reveal husband. the guest. Oh my god! Uh, it should also be noted there are two dudes that we haven't even mentioned yet: Aaron Henry, who uh, you know was famously scolded on the court last year by Tom Izzo, which uh, there's some good reporting. Coming out of the the Free Press Journal about that whole thing where he makes comments about the Free it Press Journal, the Free Press slash just Lansing the Free State Journal, uh-huh. uh, that you know media conglomerate uh, where they talk about um, you know how he understands his role, he's working hard. Uh, that dude's gonna end up going to the league, maybe this year, maybe next year. But the Scouts are Unless he says to take something a look. about China. Yeah. And then in which case, you know, maybe he loses some sponsors as well. But uh, And then also, Gabe Brown. Gabe gonna <laughs> Gabe. There are going to be times this year where Gabe gabes around and gabes himself 20 points uh, in a single game, because that dude is also extraordinarily talented, and it says a lot about this team that we mentioned him last, I think.
0: Yeah. Well, so you, you didn't say your reason. Why, why do you think this team might fall short?
1: I think uh, I agree with you. Uh, it would be the same symptoms that had happened to previous MSU teams uh, under some, similar circumstances where we've already seen what they have to offer uh, where they're, you know, they're sort of plateaued uh, with what they've got. And if the national championship game was played in November, they'd have a really good chance of winning it. But it, Other teams get better, they have more talent, more natural talent, they progress over the course of the year, and MSU can't end up getting it done in March and April. But
0: I I will, so so it's also worth mentioning about this basketball team, which I'm super annoyed that how much press coverage it's gotten, because this is a pet peeve of mine, particularly with basketball, which is where we're really busy talking about next year's class before mm -hmm. anything has even happened with this year's class. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, one of the biggest stories, two of the biggest stories over the last two weeks have been recruits that have committed to MSU for next year. Yeah. Uh, so we got a a commitment, and I think we mentioned it briefly in last week's pod, about AJ Hoggard, uh, a combo guard uh, who will be joining the 2021, 2020 class? 2020. Yeah, 2020 class. Um, and... Shortly thereafter, another point guard, um, who people were really high on Jalen Terry, decommitted from MSU. Um, apparently, this caught the coaching staff off guard. Yep. Uh, though, as soon as it happened, I think Twitter went a buzz with, "How's Jalen Terry going to feel about the fact that they got another commitment from a guard?" Um,
1: well, the the staff was going after. Hogard or Hoggard or whatever it is, uh, as more of a combo guard, um, and Jaylen, but he doesn't
0: see himself that way.
1: Well, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's over hey. now. You gain a four-star recruit, you lose a four-star recruit. The unfortunate thing is that the staff now has to go out and either fill a scholarship spot or bank it for the following year. Uh, I think they probably would have preferred to bring in both of those guys, but uh, I. I think you're right. I think you got to focus on this season. Which, by the way, the guy that we did leave out, Kyle Arns. Haven't talked to Arns yet.
0: Oh, I thought you were going to talk about Steve Izzo, but yes.
1: That dude's going to get sneaky 15 minutes a game. Uh, You're not even going to realize it. Apparently, Tom Izzo in the offseason quizzed his staff, asking them how many minutes Arns was playing. Uh, They both... Uh, all of them there's several uh got it completely wrong uh the answer was close to like it was in the mid-teens or something like that so again Izzo takes what he can rely upon and that is going to be beneficial for some of these older guys that do have freshmen nipping on their heels
0: Yeah, and, you know, we're going to know a lot about this team fast. I don't know anyone who's playing a tougher schedule. I mean, maybe there is someone, but Mm -hmm. we have uh, Kentucky first, Duke not that long after, uh, at home, and then we go on the road to play Seton Hall. I actually am not sure that Seton Hall is going to be that good.
1: Seton Uh, Hall is maybe one of those teams that you already know what they've got, and you just assume that they're going to take a step up, but they've already plateaued. Maybe. It happens a Maybe lot. Maybe not.
0: Um, so, uh, and then uh, very likely we're going to be playing Kansas um, at the, the Maui Invitational. So, uh, we're going to know a lot about this team. I'm not going to panic no matter how many of those games they lose. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom Izzo has always coached for March, and I'm good. Uh, I, I have I have faith that this team will perform well in March, and that all, that is nearly all that matters.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, looking at the Big Ten, just to sort of close things out, just sort of round them off. Uh, other teams to sort of watch. Maryland is also, depending on where you're looking in the rankings, uh, <laughs> sort of, to like a writer. A, kind of like a high single digits, low double digits. But, um, you know, I, I think their coaching staff can be relied upon to drop a couple games that you wouldn't expect them to. And then Purdue, Matt Painter, man. Guy has been... He's really kind of gotten himself some results over the last few years. So, uh, they're sort of in the top 25 as well. Um, and maybe someday we'll talk about Michigan, what's happening down there, but that's for another day.
0: No commits yet. Um, other than what's his face, but uh, Wagner's um brother.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, no, they've got one for next year. They've got one that uh, Beeline already brought aboard before he left. I think.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. I, I misspoke. Juwan Howard has not recruited anyone yet.
1: Correct. Other than, uh, Wagner, who that's going to be a story that the, uh, you know, the local color guy loves to tell during all the Michigan games. Um, and we won't tell it now cause you'll hear it a thousand times as he plays the Matt Trannon plays two sports. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, very similar. Well, uh, folks,
0: thanks for listening to Can't Read, Can't Write. Uh, as always, it's been a pleasure. We look forward to uh, uh, hearing more Twitter questions from you next week, uh, dissecting the uh, bi-week uh, action. Uh, we'll have some Coach Antonio talk. Um, and, you know, uh, as always, go green. Go white, Jonesy. All right guys, have a great day, great night, great weekend whenever you're listening to this. Uh, you know, and we'll talk to you next week.
1: And go to Fraser's pub. Thanks.
0: Yes, Fraser's pub. Bye.